We begin Seder Noshim. The first and longest Masechta in the Seder is called Yuvamas. There are 16 Prokim in Yuvamas, and the subject matter of the Masechta is the Mitzvah of Yibum. The Torah says that if a man marries a woman and then dies without having any children, there is a Mitzvah upon the brother of the dead man to marry the dead man's wife, the widow. Now this is a very unique mitzvah, because in general it is forbidden, under a very severe prohibition, to marry the wife of one's brother. There are 21 arayas in the Torah. Arayas is the plural of erva, which refers to a woman who one is forbidden to marry because they are related to each other. So one of the 21 arayas in the Torah is one's brother's wife, and in general it is forbidden to marry her. And the punishment for doing so is kores, where one is, so to speak, cut off from Hashem, a very severe punishment. However, the mitzvah of Yibum says that if one's brother died without having children, then not only is it not prohibited to marry her, but it is a mitzvah to do so. By marrying one's brother's wife after he died without children, that allows the brother's name to continue. The children are in some way considered to be the children of the man who had died. And it's important to realize that since in general it's forbidden to marry one's brother's wife, in a case where there is no mitzvah to do so, it is indeed forbidden to do so. For example, if one's brother's wife is also his daughter, his brother was allowed to marry her, it is permitted to marry one's niece. So let's say, for example, you've got two brothers, Reuven and Shimon, and Shimon marries Reuven's daughter, and then Shimon dies without having any children. So although the mitzvah of Yibum allows one, and in fact instructs one, to violate the general prohibition of marrying one's brother's wife, if there is another erva involved, that not only is this woman Reuven's brother's wife, but it's also Reuven's daughter, so that erva, that prohibited relationship, is not permitted by the mitzvah of Yibum. And the first mission of Amsechta is going to list 15 out of the 21 Arias, that if Ruvin's brother's wife is one of those 15, then he is exempt from the mitzvah of Yibum. Now, although the mission is going to use the word potter, exempt, the truth is it's actually forbidden. And throughout the Masechta, whenever the Mishnah will say that one is potter, he is exempt from Yibum, it is also forbidden to do Yibum, since by doing Yibum he would violate the Erevah which is forbidden. And not only that, once there's no mitzvah to do Yibum, he would also violate the prohibition of marrying one's brother's wife. Because that's always forbidden, even once one's brother has died, unless there's a mitzvah of Yibum. So in a case where the brother's wife is also his daughter, and so the, myth, the mitzvah of Yibum does not apply, so the prohibition of marrying one's brother's wife returns. Now before beginning the Masechta, a few key concepts which run through the entire Masechta need to be introduced. We're constantly going to be using the example of Ruvain and Shimon being brothers, or if they are more brothers than Ruvain, Shimon, Levi. And in our examples, we're going to use Shimon as the person who dies. Shimon is the brother who dies, and Ruvain is the one who needs to perform the mitzvah of Yibum. So Reuven is known as the Yovam. He's the one who performs Yibum. And Shimon's wife, with whom Reuven is performing Yibum, she is known either as the Yavama, or at other points in the Masechta, she's known as the Shemeres Yovam, which literally means she is awaiting the Yovam. So generally, until she's performed Yibum, she is known as the Shemeres Yovam. And when she performs Yibum, then she's known as the Yavama. Now, up until now, we've been discussing the mitzvah of Yibum. But what happens if, for example, Reuven, the Yavam, does not want to perform Yibum on the Yavama, on the Shemeris Yavam? The Torah says that the Yavam and Yavama can go to Beistin and perform a procedure known as Chalitza. 
We'll discuss that later on in the Masechta. The twelfth Perak discusses the procedure itself, where she takes off his shoe and spits on the ground, as we'll see later on. And if he does chalitza, then he frees her of the obligation to receive yibum from the brother, and then she is permitted to marry anybody else she wants. Until she receives chalitza or yibum, whilst she is still a shemeres yavam, she is awaiting yibum, or chalitza, she is forbidden to marry anybody else. And the reason for this is because although they are not yet married, the brother, the Ruvain and the Shemeris Yovam, they nevertheless do have a halachic connection to each other. That connection is known as a zika, and mid a that's a very weak connection. We're going to see certain ramifications during the Masechda. Midrabonon, for certain things, it's considered like real marriage. Be as it may, since the Yovam and the Shemeris Yovam have a Zika between them, she is forbidden to marry anybody else until she receives Chalitza. And so if you think about it, Chalitza is very similar to a Get. Just like a woman, as long as she is married to a man, she is forbidden to marry anybody else until she receives a Get. And the Get then allows her to marry anybody else, so to Chalitza. Now, it is learned from Psukim the following rule. Any woman who does not go up for the mitzvah of Yibum, meaning the mitzvah of Yibum does not apply, for example, in a case where Shimon was married to Ruvain's daughter, then she also does not require Chalitza, and she would be permitted to marry somebody else even without receiving any Yibum or Chalitza from, the, from her husband's brother. Now we're going to see later on in the Masechta that this rule does not always apply, but if it is a very severe prohibition, for example, if Shimon's wife is an erva of Ruvain, it's a woman who is related to Ruvain and therefore forbidden, so then the rule does apply and there won't be Yibam or Chalitza. It should be noted that the obligation of Yibam or Chalitza depends on whether they had children when the husband died. Which means that if, for example, Shimon did have a child, but then that child died, and then Shimon died, since at the time of his death he did not have any children, the mitzvah of Yivim Chalitza would apply. The focus of the first few Mishnahis of the Masechta talks about Tzorois. Tzorois are co-wives. So for example, let's say Shimon was married to Dina and Chana. The Dina is Chana's Tzora, and Chana is Dina's Tzora. And it is learned from Psukim that if one of Shimon's wives, let's say Dina, is an erva to Ruvain, for example, it's Ruvain's daughter. So when Shimon dies, the mitzvah of Yibum and Chalitza do not apply between Ruvain and Dina. So assuming Ruvain would be the only brother of Shimon, Dina would be able to marry somebody else without receiving any Yibum or Chalitza. It is learned from Psukim that the same applies to all of the other wives of Shimon. Dina's tzora, Chana, even though she is not an erva to Ruvain, she would also be totally exempt from Yibam and Chalitza, and she'd be able to marry somebody else, because the mitzvah of Yibam would not apply to her either. And again, once we say that the mitzvah of Yibam does not apply, and she's exempt, that doesn't mean that if she wants to, she can still do Yibam with Ruvain. Because once there's no mitzvah of Yibam, so the prohibition of marrying one's brother's wife returns. And so technically, she actually also becomes an erva. If you think about it, once the Torah said that if one of the wives of Shimon is an erva, then all of the wives are exempt from Yibam and Chalitza, so it emerges that actually the prohibition of marrying one's brother's wife returns, and so all of the wives are now considered to be an erva to Ruvain. It follows, therefore, that since the Tsoras erva, 
the co-wife of the relation of Ruvain, she is also considered to be an erva. And because of that, let's imagine you've got a case where Shimon died, and he has two brothers, Ruvain and Levi. And one of Shimon's wives is related to Ruvain, which means that Ruvain cannot do Yibam or Chalitza with any of Shimon's wives. However, there's still another brother, and that brother is not related to any of Shimon's wives, and therefore that brother could do Yibam or Chalitza with any of the wives. So let's say Levi chose to do Yibam with the Tzora of Ruvain's erva. You can really look at the first diagram of the Mishnah. There are three brothers, Ruvain, Shimon, Levi. Shimon is married to Chana and Dina. Dina is Ruvain's daughter. And when Shimon dies, Levi marries Chana. Does Yibam on Chana. Chana is, the, is Ruvain's Tzoras erva. Alright, and Levi also has another wife called Miriam. Now what happens if Levi then dies without having any children? So Ruvain once again needs to do Yibam on one of Levi's wives. One never needs to do Yibam or Chalitza on more than one of the wives. Once one of them has received it, so all of the women are free. And if you think about it, this time, none of Levi's wives are related to Ruvain. None of the wives are an erva to Ruvain. So I would have thought that Ruvain should need to do Yibam or Chalitza just as a regular case. However, since Chana was once the Tsaras erva of Ruvain, and when Shimon died, Ruvain was therefore forbidden to do Yibam or Chalitza on Chana, on the Tsaras erva, and because he was exempt, the prohibition of marrying one's brother's wife returned, and Chana also became an erva to Ruvain. There is a rule of Hilvanesra Olav Shah Achas, Nesra Olav Elomis. If a woman becomes forbidden for Yibum on Ruvain once, then she remains forbidden forever. So since when Shimon died, Ruvain was forbidden to perform Yibum with his Taras Erva, and therefore she became an Erva, she remains an Erva towards Ruvain forever, such that when Levi then marries Ruvain's Erva now, and then Levi dies, Ruvain would still not be able to perform Yibum with Chana, and since we're treating her like a real Erva now, of, bro- of a brother's wife, so also the other wife of Levi, in our case Miriam, she would also be exempt from Yibam and Chalitza, from Ruvain. And so if you think about it, Miriam would also become an Erva to Ruvain. And if, let's say, there was another brother, Yehuda, and Yehuda did Yibam on Miriam, who is the Tzara of the Tzara of Ruvain's daughter, all of the wives of Yehuda would also be exempt when Yehuda dies, because as we explained, every Tsaras erva becomes an erva of a brother's wife. This sounds very complicated, but as we're going to see, the Mishnah will bring 15 examples of what we just described, and with the help of the diagrams, which you can receive by email, WhatsApp, or on our website, timefortorah.org, by the end of the Mishnah, this should become very clear. Begins the Masechta, Chamesha Seinoshim, there are 15 women, 15 Arias, relatives of the Yovam, who the Yovam is forbidden to marry, and because it's forbidden for the Yovam to marry her, one of these 15 women, Petros Tzorisayen, they would make their co-wives exempt, so as we explained, not only is Dina exempt from Yemen or Chalitza, but also all of Shimon's other wives, for example, Chana, in our case, she would also be exempt from Yibam or Chalitza. And also the co-wife of Dino's co-wife, so in our case, Miriam, she would also end up being exempt, even though that's in a new marriage, to Levi and Ruvain's erva Dina, was never married to Levi, 
Nevertheless, even the co-wife of the Erva's co-wife, the Tsaras Tsaras Erva, she would also be exempt, as we explained, and we will show via the next 15 diagrams. And as we said, there is a rule, Kol she'ina a woman who is totally exempt from the mitzvah of Yibum, such as in our case, she is also exempt from Chalitza, and therefore Mishnah says, Min Chalitza min Yibum, all of these women would be exempt from both Chalitza and Yibum, I'd say for Eilam until the end of the world, meaning even if there are loads and loads of brothers of Ruvain, and the other brothers end up marrying the Tzara of his Erevah, then the Tzara of the Tzara of the Erevah, and so on. They would all be exempt, because as we explained, every Tzara's Erevah becomes an Erevah as well. Ve'eluhein says the Mishnah, these are those 15 Arias, which would become exempt and exempt their co-wives from Yibam and Chalitza. Bitoi, his daughter, so that's the case we already explained. Uvas Bitoi, his daughter's daughter, meaning if Shimon was married to Ruvain's granddaughter, as you can see in the diagram, so when Shimon dies, Dino would be exempt, and also Chana, because she's the Tsara of Ruvain's Ereva. And in a case where there's another brother, for example, Levi, so none of the women are an erva towards him, he would be able to do Yibam or Chalitza on any of them, and he chose to do Yibam on Chana, who is Ruvain's Tsaras erva. So if Levi then dies, and so his wives should fall to Ruvain for him to do Yibam or Chalitza, however, Ruvain is exempt, and all of the women are exempt, because Chana is Ruvain's Tsaras erva. And Miriam is Ruvain's Tsaras Tsaras Erva, which, as we explained, basically means that she's the Erva as well. Next diagram, Uvas Benoi. If Dina, who in these examples, Dina is always the Erva, if Dina was Ruvain's son's daughter and Shimon married her, so you'd have the same pattern. None of them could do Yibum Chalitza with Ruvain, but Levi can. Levi chose to do Yibum and marry Chana, who is the Tsaras Erva of Ruvain. And when Levi died, all of the women are exempt from Yibun Chalitza, even though Ruvain's granddaughter was not married to Levi at all. Since Ruvain's granddaughter's Tsara was married to Levi, that is enough to make all of the women exempt. Next example, if Shimon's wife is Bas Ishtai, the daughter of Ruvain's wife. So it's not Ruvain's daughter, it's Ruvain's wife's daughter. So the diagram shows that let's say you had Moshe married Sora, and they had a daughter called Dina. And then Moshe died, and then Ruvain married Sora. So Ruvain's wife had had a daughter, Dina, from a previous marriage. It is forbidden for Ruvain to marry his wife's daughter. She's considered the erva, and therefore when Shimon dies, since Ruvain cannot marry Dina, she can't do Yimur Chalitza with Ruvain, so too had Sora can't. And again, if Levi goes ahead and does Yibum with Dina's Tzara, Chana, and then Levi dies, Ruvain will be forbidden to do Yibum, even with Miriam. And again, Kolsha in Oil Yibum, in Oil Chalitza, since it's forbidden to do Yibum, she is also exempt from Chalitza, and she can marry somebody else, even without receiving Yibum or Chalitza from Ruvain. Next case, exactly the same case. However, Shimon did not marry Ruvain's wife's daughter, but Shimon married Ruvain's wife's granddaughter. That is also an erva for Ruvain, and so the same would apply whether it be Uvas Bena, Ruvain's wife's son's daughter, Uvas Bita, or Ruvain's wife's daughter's daughter, the same would apply. Next, Chamoisai, if Shimon was married to Ruvain's mother-in-law. So the diagram shows Avram got married to Sarah, and they had a child called Rivka, and Ruvain married that child. Ruvain married Rivka, which means that Ruvain's mother-in-law is Sarah. Then Avraham, Sarah's husband, died, and Shimon married Sarah. Shimon married Ruvain's mother-in-law. So when Shimon dies, Ruvain cannot do Yibum and is therefore exempt even from Chalitza. 
with Sara, and the same would go for the co-wife, for the Tsara Chana. And again, if Levi marries the Tsara, the same would apply, as we have explained in the previous cases. Next, a very similar case, Eim Chamaisai. If Shimon married Ruvain's mother-in-law's mother, which just means exactly the same as the previous case, just that Ruvain did not marry Avram and Sarah's daughter, but he married Avram and Sarah's granddaughter. So Ruvain's wife's grandmother, who is the same person as Ruvain's mother-in-law's mother, she is the Erevoi in this case, and so if Shimon married her, then Reuven would be exempt from Yibam and Chalitza. And the same would apply for the Eim Chomiv. If Shimon married Reuven's father-in-law's mother, which if you look at the diagram, it's pretty much exactly the same case, with a small difference. But Avram and Sarah had a son, not a daughter. And again, the same would apply. Next case, one sister on his mother's side. And before we explain this case, an important piece of information for the Masechla should be noted that the mitzvah of Yibum only applies if Shimon is Ruvain's brother on his father's side. And of course, all the more so if it's the father and mother's side. But if they are only brothers on their mother's side, then the mitzvah of Yibum does not apply. Now, in our case, Ruvain and Shimon are brothers on their father's side. So the mitzvah of Yibam would apply, in general at least. But Ruvain also has a sister on his mother's side, and Shimon marries Ruvain's sister. Now, if it would be Ruvain's sister from the father's side, then it would be forbidden for Shimon to marry her. We'll discuss that case later on in the Perak. But in this case, it was permitted for Shimon to marry her. But when Shimon dies, it will be forbidden for Ruvain to do Yibam with her as she is an erva of Ruvain. Next case for Achis Imoi. If Shimon married Ruvain's mother's sister, Ruvain's aunt, all the diagrams which include sisters, the sisters are known as Rachel and Leah. Now, if Ruvain and Shimon were full brothers, then it would be forbidden for even Shimon to marry Ruvain's aunt, because it's also Shimon's aunt. And therefore, we're talking about a case where Shimon and Ruvain are only brothers on their father's side. So there is going to be an obligation of Yibum in a general case. However, Ruvain's mother is not Shimon's mother. Which means that in our case, Ruvain's mother is Rochel, her sister is Leah, and Leah is Ruvain's aunt, but not Shimon's aunt. So Shimon's wife is Ruvain's erva. Next case, Achis Ishtoi. If Shimon marries Ruvain's sister-in-law, so this is a case where two brothers married two sisters, Ruvain and Shimon married Rochel and Leah. This is going to be a very common case throughout the Masechta, where two brothers married two sisters. Alright, next case, Ve'eshis Ochiv Me'imai. This is a slightly more complicated case, where Shimon's wife is not only Ruvain's brother's wife through Shimon, but it's also Ruvain's brother's wife through another brother. But the other brother is only his brother via the mother's side. As the diagram shows, Ruvain and Levi are brothers on the mother's side, and then Levi dies. Now, since they are only brothers on the mother's side, there is no obligation of Yibum, which means that the regular prohibition and erva of one's brother's wife applies. So Levi's wife Dina is already an erva of Ruvain, because it's Ruvain's brother's wife without any obligation of Yibum. And what happens next is that Ruvain's brother on his father's side, Shimon, he marries Dina. And Shimon's allowed to do that, he's not related to Dina at all. It's not Shimon's brother's wife, it's only Ruvain's brother's wife. So Shimon marries her, and then Shimon dies. So Dina is an erva to Ruvain, and interestingly over here, the only erva is Aishas Ach, the brother's wife. And in general, that erva, if there's no other erva involved, it's for, it's permitted. The mitzvah of Yibum overrides the general prohibition of marrying one's brother's wife. However, since in our case, Dina is Ruvin's brother's wife from a different brother on the mother's side, so that prohibition still stands, and that is a full erva, which the mitzvah of Yibam cannot permit, because it's his brother's wife on the mother's side. 
All right, second last case, another quite complicated one. If Shimon's wife, before being Shimon's wife, was married to Shimon's brother, and Shimon's brother died before Ruvain was born. So Ruvain in this case is actually the youngest. And if you look at the diagram, the diagram shows that there are two brothers at the beginning, Shimon and Levi. And Levi is married to a woman, Dina, who's not related to anybody. Levi marries Dina, and then Levi dies. And at the time that Levi dies, the only brother who is here is Shimon. After Levi dies, then Ruvain is born. Now it is learned from Pesukim that Ruvain is not able to perform Yibum on Levi's wife, Dina, since he was not alive at the time of the death. The obligation of Yibum, as we explained earlier, is based on the time of death. It has to be that there's no children at the time of death. And it has to be that the brother, the Yovom, is alive at the time that the man died. So since Ruvain was not alive, he is not able to perform the mitzvah of Yibum on Dina. Which means, since the mitzvah of Yibum does not apply, so the prohibition, the regular prohibition of marrying one's brother's wife does apply. So Dina is considered to be an erivah towards Ruvain. Which means that, let's say, Shimon, who was alive at the time that Levi died, Shimon performs Yibum on Dina and then Shimon dies, it will be forbidden for Ruvain to do Yibum on Dina, since she is an Erevah towards Ruvain. She's an Erevah from the first time there was an opportunity of Yibum. And as a rule, once she becomes forbidden as an Erevah towards Ruvain once, she remains forbidden forever, and she is always considered to be an Erevah, and therefore Ruvain would not be able to perform Yibum with Dina, or her tsaros. And again, let's say there will be another brother who was alive at the time that Levi died, but he didn't do Yibum, Shimon did Yibum. When Shimon dies, that other brother would be able to do Yibum on Dina or Chana. And then if he dies again, his tsar, who is the tsar of the tsar of the Ereva, she would also be exempt again, as we explained earlier. The same would apply for this diagram, for this example, just like every example. Alright, and the final case, the 15th diagram, the Chalosai, if Shimon marries Ruvain's daughter-in-law, so that's an Erevah for Ruvain, the diagram shows what exactly the case is, where Ruvain's son, Moshe, married Dina, and then Moshe died, so Shimon married Dina, so when Shimon dies, Ruvain cannot do Yibim on Dina, since she is related to him via being his daughter-in-law, even though Ruvain's son has now died, she still remains forbidden as an erva on Ruvain. So the Mishnah says, all of these 15 examples, Hari elu each of these arayas, as well as being exempt themselves, they also exempt their tsaros, and if another mar- brother marries their tsaros, and then dies, so the tsaros and the tsaros of the erva would also be exempt, from both chalitza and yibum, until the end of the world, meaning however many brothers there are. Now, so far we've seen two ramifications of the fact that the obligation of Yibam is dependent at the time of death. Firstly, it has to be that he has no children at the time of death. And secondly, it has to be that the Yovan was alive at the time of death. We're now going to see another ramification, and that is that the Erva exempts the Tsara only if the Erva was still married to the dead man, to Shimon, at the time of death. And because of that, the Chulon, all of these Arias in Meso, if the Erva died before Shimon died, Omeanu, they went through a process known as Mion, which is when a child under the age of Bas Mitzvah, the halacha is that if her father is still alive, then he can marry her off, and that marriage is considered to be valid Midoraisa. However, if the father had died already, then she can get married, but it's only valid Midorabonon. 
And because that marriage is only Midrabonon, at least until she becomes Bas Mitzvah, at that point it becomes a valid marriage with Eraisa. But as long as she is considered ch- a child still, so she is able to refuse to continue with the marriage, very similar to a divorce, just that by Mion we consider it as if they were never married at all. She dissolves the entire marriage, as long as she does it before Bas Mitzvah. So again, if Ruvain's Erva did Mion on Shimon, before Shimon died, at the time of Shimon's death, Ruvain's Erva was not married at all to Shimon. Onis Garshu, or if it's a regular marriage and Shimon divorced Ruvain's Erva before dying, or if Ruvain's Erva was found to be an islandess, an islandess is a woman who cannot have children. Now since the whole point of Yibum, the Torah says, is so that you'll be able to have children from this woman, and the children will be considered in some way the children of the dead man. So of course the entire parasha of Yibum is totally irrelevant to the islandess. And because of that, if Ruvain's erva is an islandess, then it's true that, sh- that she can't do Yibum with Ruvain, but she would never be able to do Yibum with anyone. So it wouldn't make sense to say that she now exempts her co-wives, because that only applies to a woman, which when the Torah spoke about the midst of Yibum, it spoke about this woman as well. So then, within the framework of Yibum, she can affect things, she can exempt other people. But in this case, the reason why she is ex- exempt from Yibum is not because she is Ruvain's erva. It's for a totally different reason. And therefore, the law which says an erva exempts the Tsaris as well, that only applies if the reason why she is ex- exempt is because she's an erva. But since over here, she's exempt anyway, even without being an erva, so she does not exempt her Tsaris. So in all of these cases, that Tsaris would be permitted to do Yibum with Ruvain. Now the Mishnah notes that with a couple of the examples we gave, you're not able to say regarding the Erva being Ruvain's mother-in-law of Ein Chamaisai, Ruvain's mother-in-law's mother of Ein Chomiv, Ruvain's father-in-law's mother, those are three of the examples of the, which the Mishnah gave. Regarding them, it doesn't make sense to say Shanimtsu Ailonios, that they were found to be an islandess, Oishameanu, or they, they, they did Mion, for the simple reason that an islandess can't have children. And by definition, somebody who is a mother-in-law, by definition she had children, so clearly she's not an islandess. And it also wouldn't make sense to say that she did Mion, because one is only able to do Mion before Bas Mitzvah, before she's an adult. And she's not able to have children before she is an adult, and therefore the mission just tells us a technical point that being an islandess and doing meon is not relevant to those three examples. Alright, we pretty much just did the hardest Mishnah in the Masechta. Once you pass that, you can now understand the Masechta. And again, even if it's not totally clear at this moment, it will no doubt become much clearer through the many examples during the Masechta. And we just went through all of the examples explaining it. Mishnah base will now explain one example. Kate's had approached the Tsarasayan. How do the Arias exempt their Tsaras as well? So for example, Haisel Bittoy, if Ruvain's daughter, Achasme Kolaraisa Elu, or any of the other Arias which we mentioned, the Suala Ochiv, she was married to Ruvain's brother Shimon, Vleisha Acheres, and Shimon has another wife, Chana, Vomais, and then Shimon died, Kashem Shabitoy Petura, just like Ruvain's daughter Dina is exempt from Yebum, Tachtsarasa Petura, so too her Tsara Chana is exempt. Now they wouldn't actually be exempt totally, unless Reuben was the only brother, in which case there's no other brother to do it. If there is another brother, then they're not exempt, they just can't do it with Reuben. Alright, continues the Mishnah, Holchot Tzoras If the Tzora of Reuben's daughter, so Chana went to Nisais Loch Vasheni, and she got married, she did Yibum, with Reuben's other wife, Levi, Vloyesha Acheres, and Levi has another wife, Miriam, Vomais, and then Levi dies, Kashem Shet Tzoras 
just like the Tsara of Ruvain's daughter, just like Chana is exempt because of the rule of Nesra, which in short we're going to call Nesra. So again, since the Tsaras Bitoi, Tsaras Erva, since she was forbidden at the beginning, when Shimon died, she remains forbidden even when Levi dies, and therefore she also exempts that Tsaras. So to the Tsara of the Tsara is exempt. Even if there are a hundred brothers, as we explained. Alright, now, What would be a case of the end of the previous Mishnah? Where if the Erva died before Shimon died, then the Erva's sorrows would be permitted for Ruvain. Because as we explained, it depends on the time of death. If Ruvain's daughter or one of his other Arias were married to his brother Shimon, and Shimon has another br- another wife called Chana. Mesa Bittai, Ruvain's daughter Dina died, or she got divorced, and then Ruvain's brother Shimon died, Dina's Tsara Chana would be permitted for Ruvain. Right, now we have already mentioned the rule a few times of that any woman who is totally exempt from Yibum, because she's an Erva, she is also exempt from Chalitza. And there are certain exceptions to this. For example, in a case where it is forbidden Midrabonon to do Yibum, but Midraisa there's an obligation. So since it's forbidden Midrabonon to, to, to marry her, so you can't do Yibum. However, you can't just do nothing. She can't go and marry somebody else without having received Chalitza, since Midraisa there is a full obligation of Yibum over here. So the Mishnah speaks of a case where Shimon is married to Chana, and that is a totally valid marriage Midraisa. A regular marriage. However, as well as that, Shimon is also married to a woman who is under the age of Bas Mitzvah, whose father had died already, and because of that, this marriage is only valid Midrabonon. Now, it happens to be that this woman who is married to Shimon on a Midrabonon level, she is Ruvain's erva. Of course, it wouldn't be Ruvain's daughter, because that would mean that she still has a father, and the marriage would be Midraisa. But it's still Ruvain's erva, a different example, not the daughter. And then Shimon dies. So if the marriage to Dina was Midraisa, this is a regular case of an erva which would exempt all of the Tsarais. However, on a Midraisa level, Shimon is only married to one woman, and that woman is not related to Ruvain. So there's a full obligation Midraisa for Ruvain to perform Yibam Chalitza on Chana. However, on a Midrabonon level, Shimon is married also to Ruvain's erva, and therefore they should be totally exempt. Now, there is no prohibition to perform Chalitza, and so that is a simple way of getting around the problem. You can't do Yibam because of the Durabonon, and it could be that Midrabonon there's no obligation of Chalitza, there's also no prohibition, so you should do Chalitza to fulfill the Mitzvah Midraisa, which is upon him, and to free her to be able to marry somebody else. As the Mishnah says, If Ruvain's erva was able to do Mion, meaning the marriage was only Midrabonon, she didn't do Mion, so even at the time of death, he was married to a woman Midrabonon, and that woman is an erva to Ruvain, Sarasa had Sarah lets us Vulemisabemes perform Khalitsa to fulfill the Mitzamid Araisa, but Vulemisabemes she cannot do Yibum because of the prohibition of Tsaras Erva Midrabanan. Mishnah Gimel, in total the Torah lists twenty-one Arias, twenty-one forbidden relatives which one cannot marry, and we listed fifteen of them in the first Mishnah. This Mishnah will list the last six, and we're going to see why exactly they are split into two different lists. Sheish Arias Chamurus Me'elu, there are six Arias who are more strict than these ones. 
which are going to translate to mean because they can only be married to other people. Meaning, the following six arayas, as well as being forbidden for Ruvain, are also forbidden for Shimon to marry. And so if Shimon married them, the marriage is not considered to be a halachic marriage. They are not able to get married. For example, if Ruvain and Shimon's mother, Shimon married her, as well as another woman, Chana. In this case, when Shimon dies, Ruvain will be permitted and obligated to perform Yibam or Chalitza on Chana, since she's not considered to be a Tsaras Erva, because the Erva was not married to Shimon. He's not able to marry his mother. What are those six? Firstly, Imoi, if it's Reuben and Shimon's mother, and we're talking about a case where it's their mother, but not from a marriage. She gave birth to Reuben from a particular man, and he, she wasn't married to him. And she gave birth to Shimon from a different man who she wasn't married to. So at least according to this Mishnah, that is one of the Arias. It's forbidden for either Reuben or Shimon to marry her. Next, the Aishas Oviv, if it's their father's wife, the Achais Oviv, their father's sister, Achais Oviv, if it's Reuben and Shimon's sister from their father's side, not to be confused with the first Mishnah's case, where it was Reuben's sister from his mother's side, and therefore Shimon was able to marry her. Alright, the Aishas Achai Oviv, if it's their father's brother's wife, the Aishas Achai Oviv, or if it's their brother's wife, on their father's side, and that brother had not yet died, so there was no obligation of Yibum, but he had divorced her, so it's forbidden for Reuven or Shimon to marry her, and therefore Shimon's other wives would fall to Reuven for Yibum and Chalitza. Mishnah Dalad, everything that we have said until now, and which we're going to assume for the rest of the Masechta, is in truth not agreed upon, because Beis Shammai matirin at la'achim. Beis Shammai permit the Tzorais of Reuven's erva, to Reuven, to the brothers. According to Beis Shammai, there is no such thing as the Tsaras Erva being exempt from Yibum. So if Shimon is married to Reuven's daughter Dina and as another woman, Chana, the regular Yibum obligation applies on Chana for Reuven. However, Beis Hill Eisrim, Beis Hill forbid this as we have seen until now. Now because of this Machlokes, Chultzu, what happens if Reuven did do Chalitza to his Tsaras Erva? So according to Beis Shammai, there was an, there was an obligation to do Yibum or Chalitza. So this is a totally valid Chalitza, and because of that, Beis Shammai posts them in Akahuna. Beis Shammai say that she is now invalid to marry a Koyen. Midrabonon, since Chalitza is very similar to a Get, because you are permitting her to marry somebody else, so just like it's forbidden for a divorcee to marry a Koyen, Midrabonon, it's also forbidden for a Chalitza, a woman who has received Chalitza, she's known as a Chalitza, it is also forbidden for her, Midrabonon, to marry a Koyen. However, Basil Machshirim, Basil say that this woman would be allowed to marry a Koyen since she didn't receive Chalitza. There was no obligation of Yimmo Chalitza at all. So the Chalitza was not even valid. And therefore she is not a Chalitza, so she can still marry a Koyen. What happens if Nisyabmu, if Ruven did Yibum on his Tsaras Erva? So according to Beis Shammai, Beis Shammai Machshirim. Beis Shammai says she is still totally valid. If Ruven were to die, she would be able to go and marry a Koyen. However, they still place them, they still say she is from then on invalid to marry a Koyen because she had illegal relations. She's known as a Zona, who is somebody who has had forbidden relationships. And since she was totally forbidden under a very severe prohibition to marry Ruven, when Ruven dies, she is forbidden to marry a Koyen. Alright, the second half of this Mishnah is a very beautiful Mishnah. Even though Beis Hillel would forbid the Tsaras Erva and Beis Shammai permitted the Tsaras Erva, these ones would say that she is considered invalid to marry a Koyen, and this opinion says that she's valid. 
even though they had big arguments regarding the status of this woman, nevertheless, there was peace and harmony between the members of Ishamai and the members of Ishilel. And members of Ishamai did not withhold, they didn't hold back from marrying women, daughters of members of Ishilel. And the same went the other way around. Because they assumed that if there was a case of, let's say, a Tsaras Erevel who received Chalitza, so in that specific case, Bishama and Hillel did argue about what the halacha was, so both sides would make sure to tell the other side. They trusted each other that if they didn't say anything, then it was a regular marriage about which Bishama and Hillel did not argue, and therefore was a permitted marriage. And on a similar note, when it comes to the laws of purity and impurity, but Shammai and Mishil argue a lot as to whether something something is considered to be Tomei or Tahar. Despite all of the disputes between them, they did not hold back from assuming that the other people's utensils were pure. And they would borrow utensils from each other. And again, they would assume that if this particular utensil would be under a dispute between Bishamai and Bishilel, that one party would say it's Tome, one party would say it's Tahar. So then they would tell them. But otherwise, if they wouldn't tell them, so they would assume that it is Tahar according to both of them. And they would rely on each other regarding the status of the utensil's purity. And you see that despite the many, many arguments, big arguments, like we saw in our Mishnah, according to Bishamai, it's totally permitted to marry one's Torah. Erva. But according to Hillel, it's uh, Isra Kores, one of the worst various one can do. Despite these large disputes, they still got along with each other, and there existed Shalom between them. Today was a much longer share than usual, but as you can see, it was definitely necessary for that first Mishnah. But once you've got that first Mishnah under your belt, now you can really begin Meseches Yevomis.